how's it going? This is Juju with the Accenture Bro. We are here today with a guest star. Um, as you could tell from the picture above me, we're missing a couple, but I got the best guy here. Uh, his name is Amitai Porat. Amitai, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, uh, wow, wow, wow. So grateful to be here, Amitai Porat, longtime friend of Juju, as we call Approximately him. nine years. Now, you'll notice there's <laughs> three gentlemen in that photo, none of which are me. So I just <laughs> am so humbled to be your, your plan C today. And uh, I want you to know I'm here for you. It's funny. Last time I was in this area, I don't come to West Hollywood too often. I'm in Santa Monica. Uh, I generally like to stay on the west side for a reason. Uh, last time I was here, I had Amitai texting me around, I don't know, we were like 19, 20 years old in college. And he's like, look, man, I know we have a midterm tomorrow. I kind of need you. And I'm like, what do you need, man? Do you need my notes? What do you, what, what's going on? And he's like, look, I need you to come with me to Ford Modeling Agency. They're having callbacks. And I'm like, okay, like what, what exactly are you trying to be a model now? Like what's going on? I thought you played the guitar. You're also on drumline and you're a software engineer. Now you're trying to be a model. Whatever happened to that? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, happy to talk about it. It was a number <laughs> of years ago. Uh, let's just say I'm here. Uh, that didn't pan out too well. They told me at the time, you were there actually, you did yeah. all the talking, which I'm thankful for because <laughs> uh, I was not in any place to uh, to present myself, but they told me I was I was too tall for them. Okay. that's uh, It sounds kind of like things didn't work out for you, but at least you're on a podcast now 10 years later. I mean, I couldn't have wished for a, <laughs> a, a better turnaround myself. Okay, this good. Is, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll kind of give you some background. The Existential Bro, uh, this is the first time li uh, shooting live, which I'm really excited about. Existential Bro is my buddies, Doc, Ricky, and Juju, myself. Uh, Doc is an orthopedic surgeon, so he's always on call working 100-hour weeks. Uh, to get him down here in West Hollywood it was a little difficult. Ricky just had a newborn, so we're really excited for him. Amitai is the, like when you hear the term, the man, the myth, the legend, I think of Amitai Porat every single time. I mean, this guy, there's nothing he can't do. The guy goes from playing music to being a software engineer during the day, working as an actor, a comedian, um, and now he has like 26 followers on TikTok, which is a huge accomplishment for 26. you. 26, don't discount <laughs> it. I mean, that's, uh, that's some, some major outreach. Yeah. We started at nine. <laughs> that's great. So I want to kind of talk about what our actual podcast is going to be about tonight. Um, I'm kind of going through a midlife crisis. I'm finishing up law school right now, and I'm trying to figure out what the next step is, what the next move is for kind of my creative side. I just published a poetry book um, by the name of 100 Days Without Loving You. It's going to be available on Amazon.com in three days. Um, you'll be able to know how much heartbreak uh, I've gone through, and you also know that I'm still single. So if you want to give me a call, my number is 310-367-4501. Anyways, um, I'm really excited for that. So... I'm trying to figure out how to balance my creative goals, aspirations with podcasts, with law, with poetry. Um, and I just kind of, I brought Amitai on the show today specifically because he's found that, that muse and is still able to keep his day job. So I kind of wanted to ask you, Amitai, how does it feel? I mean, you came, you went to UCLA, you left for a few years to go, you know, work as a software engineer in the Bay. And then you came back and you took some risks. Like, what does it look like to be able to come back to Los Angeles after taking a few years off and working as a software engineer to now all of a sudden pursuing your passions as a musician, pursuing your passions as an actor, but all at the same time still being able to focus on your career as a software engineer? Yeah, um, well, I'll start off by saying that, you know, I really don't feel like I have found anything, so yeah. to speak, but I, but I feel like I'm on the path that I want to be. 
And, uh, and that took me a really long time to figure out because before I moved back to L.A., um, everything was fine, and, and I feel very grateful to be in the situation I have, I'm in and to have the opportunities I've had. But you kind of reach this point where you're going to work, you're grabbing beers with your buddies, you're going out on the weekend, you're going to work, it's kind of a rinse and repeat, and you just kind of assume something is going to change one day because that's probably not, and maybe it is, and if that's your thing, then, then awesome. For me, it just, I knew it wasn't. Uh, so making that change was important. And I can tell you, even moving to L.A., you know, it, I, I don't want to glorify that journey because, first of all, we're in the town where every other person has done what I've done. Mm-hmm. Every other person in this town has, has uh, you know, packed their bags into their car and, and said, I'm going to figure it out. And I think that's one of the really cool things about this place. But I also think it can be one of the misleading things where we, we kind of glorify that journey of, hey, just take the dive. And, and I don't. I don't think that's the answer. I mean, for me, it's been about, hey, do what speaks to you. And and by the way, that's not obvious to start with. Mm. Like I came down here thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be acting. And of course, that's something I still want to do. But there are so many different beautiful avenues you could take. Um, and, and I think the really what it's all about is just get started and, sure. and figure it out. I think... And I, I love how you said that. I think we glorify this idea of taking the dive. Um, I've been scared to take the dive, right? I've I've tried to play around with different art forms and I tried to express myself creatively. But my biggest scare is when I put my professional hat on and I dress up as the lawyer that I have to look like and go to court and try to look like someone I may not be at all times. I feel like kind of like this imposter imposter syndrome is setting in. And it's, it's really difficult to be able to separate myself from that and realize that my professional life, my career does not define my identity. And I think you've done a marvelous job. And I use the word marvelous on, for a reason. Um, because I just, I, I love the fact that you're able to continue through your career, but also take this creative aspiration that you've always had for music and for acting and be able to like, you know when to separate yourself and compartmentalize your career in one place and then your creative side on another. I don't know when I'm supposed to take that lawyer hat off. I don't know when I'm able to be the juju from the existential bro. I don't want to offend anyone. I don't want to come off crass. But I think that's my biggest problem is right now, you know, I have a full day of maybe I'm writing briefs and I'm working on motions and I know that there's going to be things that I have to prepare for when I finish law school. And to be able to just take that hat off and just start writing about your feelings about in a poetry book is not very easy. And I sometimes forget that my identity is not my professional life. It's not my career. My identity is Julian. That's my identity. But I need to find that. And I want to know, how do you separate that creative like aspect of life and things that you do on a day-to-day versus like working and finding that time to be able to be successful in your professional career? Because I think a lot of times we expect that if we aren't focusing on our goals at all times, that we're losing time. And that if we're not focusing on our careers, we might not be able to make it within our careers. But you're able to do all of these things. Like, how did you separate yourself from your creative day or your creative morning, whatever it may be, to your professional life? Well, when you know, when you say I figured it out, remember, 26 followers on TikTok, <laughs> so, so we're, we're still getting there. But, but you know, I, I think it's interesting. One thing you said about going from being a lawyer to then having uh, going and writing poetry and, and context switching from the lawyer version of yourself to the poet version of yourself. And, and then the question is, okay, well, why do you do that? And likely something inside of you 
tells you you have to do that mm. to feel alive or to engage your brain or to do what it is you want to do. Mm. And I think um, when we start talking about multiple careers or anytime we jump into an endeavor, the first thing that's going to happen is people are going to say, oh, this is what you are. Mm -hmm. So if you work at a law firm, everyone's going to tell you you're a lawyer now. Mm -hmm. And in many ways, that's great. There is status with that and there's and there you've worked for that and you deserve it. And in many ways, it can kind of become this monkey on your back, because if you start identifying with that, mm. then maybe you lose other parts of yourself. And by the way, that's not limited to professions. That's also uh, if you have a lot of money or if you're super, super smart or if you have um, some something that people spoon feed you why that thing is so great. The minute you start identifying with that, you, you might detach from exactly what you said, which is, I'm Julian. That's your mm -hmm. center. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's the easiest thing to, to lose. So I think, you know, the ideal state is not to to feel like we're coming home from being a lawyer and now we're turning into a poet. I, I think the ideal state is that the left brain and right brain are working together. Mm. And um, and that's something I'm still working on for sure, is, is like, how do I marry these worlds so that they can inform one another and not pull each other in different directions, but actually maybe the work in the arts, the creative component can then benefit in a sure. more corporate setting where, where the thinking might be a little more rigid, but creative thinking I think ultimately is valuable anywhere and vice versa. Maybe the discipline of a corporate schedule makes you realize that with your art, you do need some kind of step-by-step -step process so that you can get something done. So I guess all that's to say, you know, I think this context, which hopefully, hope in an ideal world, you find a way to, to kind of marry those worlds. Mm. I mean, I feel like context switching, you say it so like loosely, but for you, it must not, it, it must be kind of easy because you, you must go from software engineer, you have your headset in, you're on the computer all day, figuring out puzzles, whatever it is that you guys do. And then all of a sudden you just look in the mirror, like, damn, I'm hella good looking. And then your next thing you know, you're an actor. Uh, it's just like, I can't do that. I'm still bald throughout the day. So I just have to go back and stick to the lawyer thing. I love that engineers just solve puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can think of. It's like, what are you guys doing all day? Like just sitting there, just trying just to figure professional out professional puzzle solvers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's something that um it's funny my my mentor actually brought this up to me and that's why I thought of you he asked me he said look Julian like I'm in a really weird place right now in my career I feel somewhat stagnant because I feel like my whole life and my existence has been around getting to this goal of like graduating law school becoming a lawyer working in entertainment I've achieved those goals and when you're when you're younger and you kind of have these like these like stages, you have these phases of, okay, I'm gonna get to this, this uh, undergrad, then I'm gonna go to grad school, or maybe I'm gonna be a musician or whatever it is. You kind of get to grow within stages, but sometimes you get to your career and maybe you're in your mid thirties and you're questioning, is this really what I wanna do for the rest of my life? And then you end up coming home and you're so married to your career and you're married to that, that schedule of constantly grinding towards something more, not knowing what that more is, and you don't know what to do with your free time, you know? And I was asking you, it's like, how do you feel when you come home? Like, do you feel almost like alone and you don't know how to use your free time? Do you feel like you have to work now because that's all you've been used to and conditioned to do? Because I think for me, my hardest, at least my hardest adversi adversity with this whole transition in life is like being my true authentic self in a professional realm, but also in like a personal world, right? I wanna be able to talk about my poetry without feeling uncomfortable in front of another attorney. I wanna be able to talk about my podcast without feeling that I might offend someone in a way that I don't necessarily think is offensive. 
So that's something that I'm trying to figure out about my identity, and I feel like you've done such a great job, and maybe you haven't figured it all out, but you've done such a great job with that context switching, and you use it very loosely, but you know, when you have curly hair like yours and it's down to your neck, I feel like things kind of just work out for you. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, a lot of uh, everything I, I do, honestly, I, I learned from you where you kind of have this attitude of the rules that the world puts upon you are just rules, and that's mm. not... I don't mean that in kind of a lawless, rambunctious way. I just mean it in a way that you kind of march to the beat of your own drum yeah. and you do what makes sense for you. And that's really cool. And that immediately affects all of the people around you. So when you kind of, you know, when you say these things. When we get parking tickets time and time again and I keep breaking the rule, is that what you're talking to? No, I, I just, <laughs> uh, you know, you, for, for example, today we're, we're on this podcast where you've built this thing from the ground up. And, and I think you discredit yourself and kind of your charisma and your energy, which which I'm sure translates to the lawyer you talk to or to in, or in the poetry field. And, 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 you know, no one is going to be perfect. No one is going to bring their 100% self every day. I know I for fact don't. I can tell you for fact there are days where I feel lonely. There are days where I question the decisions I've made. There are days where I say, am I doing the right thing? Should I have just stayed where I was at, you know, kept, my, kept kind of a more simple track? Um, I have those days. Mm -hmm. And then you probably also have days where you feel on top of the world and mm -hmm. you feel like, oh, wow, something just happened to make me realize why I chose to do what I do. Sure. Or, or maybe it's, it happens after a few years. And, and I think if you take that long-term mindset where it's like, yeah, if I embark on a career, that career is a long-term decision. Or if you decide you want to start learning the guitar or writing poetry, don't expect that day one you're a, you're a guitar player or a poet. <laughs> yeah. Just do that thing, and, yeah. and maybe you're going to suck for a while. That's cool, too. Like, it's sure. cool to suck. Yeah. It's cool to suck. Oh, I've e sucked at football, basketball. I mean, I've done pretty well for myself with the ladies, but sports do not work for me. My, I know this is a Super Bowl thing, but I will tell you, I've never been great at sports. My sixth-grade basketball coach called me molasses. <laughs> and and I used and, and, I, and I thought it was cool because I had a nickname, but I didn't know what molasses was. Like and then I figured out it's because I was slow because it's so <laughs> molasses is so slow. And I thought he was calling you honey from like a bear. They eat molasses. That would have been better in hindsight. <laughs> that would have been more flattering. Well, look at you now. I mean, look like at the end of the day, I, I admire slow, you. Though. <laughs> I mean, you're definitely slower than me in the swimming pool. I've noticed that. Yeah, uh, it's I mean, a big. It's funny. I beat him in swimming. I just want to make sure everyone knows that. And then he never talked to me for the rest of the day when we went grocery shopping when we were roommates. But anyways, that's beside the point. I do want to ask we you. We can drill down. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you, because this is really important to me. And I, I think, how did you go from, because you had a really stable, and I, I, I want to say kind of that white picket like fence. Like you had that, you finally made it to that side of the world or a side of the fence, I should say, not the world. Um, but you made it to the side of the fence where you had the steady job, you had a good career ahead of you, you had the girlfriend you were gonna marry, you had everything you wanted to work for, or I guess everyone dreams of, right? The great Gatsby, you know, that green light. Um, and you attained that very early on in your career. And you know, a few years later, you gave all of that up 
and you just took a big risk coming back to LA and just kind of going into this artistic field of becoming an actor, which I think is not an easy thing to do, to have everything lined up for you and then just to be sitting in front of me today to be able to speak to me about all of these accolades you've now accomplished. How did you take that risk? Like what, what sparked in you? And don't tell me it was her cooking. I just want to know like what really sparked in you to bring you here to Los Angeles and you could say it's me, and that's okay, you know? But I really want to know, like, how are you here today? It is you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I think, I, first of all, everything I say, and I think you, you, can, you can agree with this, is comes sure. from a place of gratitude. Like, we're lucky to be where we're at. Sure. There's no doubt about that. And there's no one-all for anything. Like, you hear something, it's not the answer. It's just an experience. And my personal experience that being in that position when I was 25 mm -hmm. was the biggest wake-up call I had ever had because it put me in a position where I was looking into the future. Mm. And I had never done that before. And when I looked in the future... I always kind of assumed that all the things I wanted would happen. Sure. I have like this little note I wrote myself in high school that my <laughs> teacher made us write. And it's like, write a letter to your future self and I'll give it to you, you know, five years later. And I, and she sent, she mailed it back to me when I got back from college and it sure. was like, Hey, are you doing comedy? What are you up to? And I remember reading that and being like, Oh shit. 18 year old me, <laughs> oh, <shit>. 18 year old <laughs> me thinks I'm a loser. <laughs> uh, and, and that, and that's, tough and yeah. and um and and i guess having that at that time in my life where i still felt comfortable to make those decisions of course made things easier but i think you were kind of talking about it earlier where it's like at some point we all get to this point where we ask a question and by the way i'm still having that right mm -hmm. it's like the egg we we always think these existential questions by the existential, way I, bro that's, that's exactly <laughs> right. This is a plug for the podcast. Uh, you led me into this corner. Well, well played. Checkmate. Um, and, and I think now more than ever, right? You go on the internet, whatever you're doing, somebody is doing that Better the than best. You. The best, <laughs> yeah. right? You like start cooking and you turn on a cooking tutorial and it's like a Michelin star and <laughs> using a crock pot. You, you, you don't even know where to order. You're using like an air fryer for your salmon. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I make omelets, relax. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but all, all that's to say, there's so, there's so much noise. Mm. You just got to make a decision at some point. And, and I feel lucky that I, I just thought about it because at the end of the day, I think nobody ever regrets something they did. Mm. People always regret what they didn't do. Sure. And I'd rather fail, say, okay, that didn't work. Let me pivot than ask what if. And I yeah. think that that's all it that's was. Beautiful. I think um, it's like, it goes without saying that failure comes with a cost and the cost isn't necessarily failing. The cost is, whether you're willing to get up after you fail or you're willing to just continue to fail. And I think from that, my, that experience, I think there was a lot of things I failed in multiple times. Um, and until I finally realized it, it wasn't about necessarily my failure, it's about what I thought about other people and how they viewed my failure. And it was when I was finally able to disconnect that feeling from others' view of what I do and others' view of how I am how I succeed in things that I, I, I do, I think I've realized over time that the best thing I could do for myself is just stay true to myself, not worry about the failure that comes. And if the only cost is gonna be doing something and failing, then I'm willing to fucking take that. I think a lot of times I've just 
put things aside. I'll get to this. I mean, look, we tried writing a script back when we were, what, 20, 21 years old of Rami and Sebastian taking over the world. Still in the works. Uh, it is still in the works. And, you know, we're, you're, uh, we're, we're still writing the script. But it's, it's the fact that we had many times where we kind of looked at each other and we're like, what the fuck are we doing? Why are we doing this? Are we, is this going to ever, like, materialize into anything? Um, when I was writing my book, I remember every single day I'd sit there at nighttime um, with my ex in the other room and I'd write and I'd write about the tri trials and tribulations I had to face in a monogamous relationship, which was goddamn scary. And I realized very quickly that this is a process, just like life is. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen over a few days, maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe over a few years. And I have to be okay with that. And I think that I think if you take that mentality and you take it into your career or your creative aspirations, things are going to start to materialize just by the fact that you're 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 kind of bringing them into fruition into your life. Um, so I don't know. I just I think talking with you and being able to pick your brain has been really inspiring me, inspiring for me over the years. It's just. I remember we were talking like, I don't know, six months ago, and you're telling me, you know, I'm, I've just finished my last level of ground links, and I'm, I'm working really hard towards acting and all these things, and then next thing you know, I see you on Apple, you know, music, and I see that you just started a band, so it's just, it's just that, it's the ability to be able to switch off when you need to switch off, and be able to tell yourself, look, I, I might have all these other things in the works, but if these are all of my passions, I'm going to follow those passions, and something we've talked about plenty of times it's hard to, it's like we have this like concept of doing our career or working hard towards something because we have bills to pay or we have to have a certain lifestyle. Um, and then you also have this other pathway of becoming, you're following your dreams, right? How do you combine those two? How do you combine following your dreams and becoming successful in one and being able to pay rent in Los Angeles? <laughs> like that's, that's my biggest struggle. It's like, I don't know at what point things are going to materialize for me, right? I mean, it's great that I'm here. I'm very excited to be here. And it's, it's, always, it's always, always fun being able to speak with you about these topics. But at the end of the day, it's like, at what point are things going to happen? And those are questions I always have for myself. I think never, man. I, mean, <laughs> I, I, mean, I don't know if that was the answer I was looking I mean, for, I, but I, I, you're like, no, nah, never. You're pretty much going to be a failure your whole life. But, but no, I appreciate it. But, no. but I Thanks just for think coming on the existential, bro. That's that's a wrap. But but I just think it's such a like it's such a misnomer that we all think that one day things will happen, and it's like that's exactly okay. Acting, for example, sure. the life of an actor is to wait for an opportunity to be granted to you. Then you have to audition with a hundred other people at least, and then maybe they'll pick you to come back for a callback, and then maybe you'll book the role. Mm. You cannot wait for that day. You just can't. You have to find things that fulfill you in the meantime. You're going to be sure. a big-time lawyer. Mm. You write poetry because that speaks to your heart. One day before you know it, you're going to have your own law firm. You won't be able to put your finger on the day where you made it. You're just going to say, this is who I am now. Because mm. things build brick by brick. So when you ask me, like, hey, when you made it, I don't know, never. Well, that's, that's I, I mean, okay, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Sure. When we just met, I okay. mean, the majority, all the writing I knew you to do was, like, texting our Postmate. Right? <laughs> like, 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 that was how I knew you as a writer. And then before I and, – and then now – you just released your first book on Amazon. Yeah. Like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. So tell me about that process. Did you feel like one day you're like, I'm a writer? Or, or 
how did it how did it I, go? I think what happened for me was in in undergrad, I studied intimate relationships. I did two years in the intimate relationships department where I was doing MFT research on adjustments on relationships. And I always thought it was very interesting to see how people would do marriage family or marriage couples therapy um, way too late in the process. And by that time, the chances of it even being successful was very slim. So I started doing a little bit of research, started writing for like actual journals. And I realized I hated it. I hated feeling like someone was telling me the way I had to express my voice. Um, so I figured, okay, like if it's, if it's not me having to sit down and write what I want to write, I'm not willing to write. I'm just not. And I think over time, I think I started getting back into my muse of poetry and starting to feel my feelings a little bit more authentically. I remember the first time I ever wrote a book, or I should say the first time I wrote a poem, um, was in fifth grade. Uh, I'll never forget her name, Brianne Foster. Uh, Brianne, shout out. You're probably not watching this, but you ruined my life. <laughs> anyway, so Brianne Foster, I see her in fourth grade, and it was like we're sitting there. It's a, it's a journal, and it's journal time. And people, like, when we're supposed to do journal time, people write, like, three sentences, like, I played with my dog. I enjoyed it, you know? And I'm like... Brienne, green eyes, how deep they are when I look into your gaze, you know? And I would sit there and like read it to her and just stare right at Brienne and be like, I'm looking at you. And you are the only girl with green eyes in this entire classroom. So you better like me, all right? Julian, and would you like to read your poem to the class? <laughs> They're like, Julian, it's journal time, but can you stop saying poems about Brienne? She's freaked the fuck out. Um, and that's how it started. And I realized, I, you know, for so long in my life, there's a quote that I'll, I'll never forget. Actually, Doc told it to me, so shout out to Doc. Um, he told me, you spend half of your life trying to fit in. You spend the other half of your life trying to figure out who you were before you tried fitting in. And I think that's so fucking true. Because for the longest time, especially elementary, even like junior high, I had that like, I don't want to say Jew fro, but I had that fro that was Jewish-like. And I'm Jewish. Was, I'm Jewish. Yeah, so Jewish, don't don't cool. cancel him. No don't cancel him. Yeah, but it's okay. All of my cousins married Jewish men. My mo my mother's sisters married Jewish men. So I'm allowed to say that. But I had that. <laughs> that's like, not how that that's works. Not okay. So so I remember for the longest time I was so true to myself. I would build Legos. I'd play World of Warcraft. I'd geek out. I'd play guitar. I'd write poetry. I did all these things at a really young age. And then when I started realizing that nice guys always finish last and every girl liked all the jocks and the guys that were dicks and like as a young child, especially in high school, I, I'm thinking, well, if I'm not going to get laid, this is ridiculous. Like I'm not going to keep writing poetry and have everyone make fun of me. So I'm just going to be a dick and try to play football, which ended horribly for me. But I realized that for so long, even through college, I was trying to be someone I never was. And now, especially, I think the reason why I got back to my poetic muse is because I accepted who I was. I accepted that I am a lot more emotional than other guys. I'm a lot more sensitive than other guys. And that's fucking okay. I don't need to mask that and like try to be someone that I'm not. And I think once I finally accepted who I was, I was finally able to tune right back in to that poetic muse of, this is my art. This is how I relay my emotions and my feelings. And it was a beautiful feeling to finally be able to go back to good old fourth grade Julian and sit there and write. And granted, there's no journal time anymore. And it sucks that Brienne will never know how I felt about her. Please watch this, Brienne, if you're watching this. Anyways, she has no idea how I feel about her. And it's, it's, it's just what it is. And I think that's the hardest thing is sometimes we just try so hard to fit in. We lose a piece of ourselves. And I'm not down to fit in anymore. I'm over that. So if you like me for who I am, then great. If you don't, 
don't like me, but still buy my book on Amazon.com. It's called 100 Days Without Loving You. Thank you. Wow. I mean, dude. That was my answer. And now you just point at me. <laughs> I'm just, just take it away from here. <laughs> Thank you very much. I mean, dude, I think that's what makes you so compelling as an individual. I think that's why people sure. like to listen to your podcast, like to hear what t you have to say, because you do you. Mm. That's infectious, and that's hard to do. Mm. That's really, really hard to do. And I would bet a lot of people want to do that, and for some reason they can't or they don't allow themselves to and that's why i just keep saying i feel like we come from a place where we should just be lucky because yeah. just the place to allow yourself to say hey i'm gonna be me yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna be the existential bro who talks about his feelings and i and i know judgment is gonna come with that and i know not everyone's gonna love that but i don't care because this is who i am that comes inherently from a place of confidence sure. and power and uh and I think that's that's really, really cool. I mean, that's I mean, what we all hope for, right? Think, think about our friendship, like the way our friendship grew, especially early on in the college years, was we'd sit down together and we would talk a novel. By the way, novel never gave us enough chips and salsa, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but we sit down and we talk and we'd be able to like tune in with each other's like, how are you feeling? Where are you at? And I think it was that toxic masculinity that I was so sick of through high school and through college where being the alpha was about like how many girls you slept with, how buff you were, how much of a dick you were to other people. And I realized very soon into our later adult years that that wasn't necessarily who I was. And I think I was trying so hard to fit in that I started realizing that I was losing a, a part of myself. So I think what I want to know and I think what I, what I want the listeners to really understand is how our time together has kind of morphed into this because, I mean, we don't see each other too often, right? We, we kind of have this, like, separation from our lives. Like, I'm going in one direction. You're going in a completely different. But we're, we're both successful in what we're doing. I think when I sit down with you and we're able to talk very genuinely like this, um, I just kind of want to know, like, through your time away from me, how does it feel not having me in your life as much? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you touched on a lot of things there, um, you know, in terms of growing up alpha – I played the French horn from sixth <laughs> through twelfth grade, so I definitely know what you mean. Yeah, uh, I mean when, you're also drumline at UCLA. I, oh yeah, exactly. So line. so marching band uh, is the epitome of alpha. So I really had to lock it up as I got older. Yeah. Um, how do I feel not seeing you? Wow. Uh, I think for the most part it's probably good, <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. I think that uh, if we saw each other every single day it would be too much. <laughs> and when we see each other, we make it a point to see each other. Sure. So that's fair. I, I would see you every day if I could. Yeah, I would. Yeah, but no. I can't. I would spend every day with you in college. And then next thing you know, we don't spend as much time together. And I'm feeling like, you know, things are a little harder on me. Um, and I think, do you really feel that? No, no, I don't. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> I it's say, definitely I... harder not seeing you as much. Of course. Then you're like, Oh, did you bring me on the podcast so you could open up about your emotional turmoil that you've been feeling about our friendship? Yeah. 100%. But I, but I actually feel like our friendship has, has gotten grown. Oh, of grown. Of course. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. And it's because we don't have to compete with each other anymore. When you have a bald guy and a guy who has luscious Tarzanic hair, it's a yeah, little but, bit but, more... But you have a, okay, let me, let, let just, let just level set this whole bald guy, <laughs> hair guy thing, because it, it's just not true. Like, when, 
anywhere we go, yeah, you're you're the you're the brains of the operation. Yeah, you you talk everything through. You get us into the club as fast as you'll get us kicked out of the club. <laughs> but the point is, you got us into that club, and you do things I could simply never do. Yeah, that's a fact. I will. I would put you. You know, if I had to pick like a a five person squad, like a like a do it all. You for know, for fives basketball or for. <laughs> Versatile. Right? <laughs> We're talking versatility. I yeah. think you'd be one of my go-to's. Appreciate You're an essential. You, you have an essential skill set. Yeah. That is that is not replaceable. I appreciate that. It's the nice thing anyone has ever said to me. Now I think because. <laughs> oh, now he's gonna. No, 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 no. All right, go ahead. And what I appreciate about you is that you would pick me likely. hundred <laughs> percent. No, you'd be. I already talked about my group. If I ever get married, which is very slim to none chances, but if I do. I've always picked you as my groomsman. <laughs> I have. Well, yeah, but when you say it like that, it's it's actually. Well, it's because I don't know if I'm getting married anytime soon. No, 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 no. But you're like this. Hey, hey. Kayla, by the way, if you want to, I'm down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she has her hand over her face. It's like hopefully my doctor boyfriend disengage, doesn't watch this. Disengage. Disengage. <laughs> I will say this, and I, I want to ask you one last question. I think I want to end it off on this because I think we've really dived into like the creative imbalance, which is this episode, episode 15, that I wanted to dive into. Um, this but is your 15th, 15th episode. 15th episode. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. We do have sponsors too. By the way, shout out to Untapped Emissions for College Consulting. Bingo. Shout out to Party Bus LA's if you ever need a party bus. Shout out to Honeybrow if you ever need a laser Honeybrow stuff, whatever they do. And then shout out to Amitai Porat for coming know. on the show. Oh, I really want to ask you one last question. Yeah. I always ask it to I always ask this to all my guests because everyone has different advice. Um, if you had to advise our listeners, if there was something you knew. Back, you know, maybe when you moved to L.A., if there was something you knew through your, your own obstacles five years ago or six years ago when you came to L.A., if there was something you knew back then, what would that be or wh what did you wish that would have been and what advice would you have given to your former self when you moved to Los Angeles about pursuing these passions, about having the anxiety of not knowing what the future looks like or what it's going to hold now that you've made it to this point in your life? right? What would that advice be to young Amitai? You know, I think, uh, the, the main thing is, is, uh, as you, as you get, as you go along in your journey, you find out that maybe the 50 friends you had in college or whatever are, are not as prevalent in your life anymore. And maybe that 50 becomes five or two or even one really close friend and one, all right, go I'm ahead. just going to be a groomsman. Though. <laughs> Don't think I forgot that. Um, and 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 I think ultimately you you kind of have to really trust yourself and your instinct, and that is so hard to do because everything is telling you otherwise. You go on the internet, and some millionaire is telling you not to sleep anymore uh, if you want to be successful. <laughs> I love watching that guy. He's like, or, always like, oh, you're sleeping? You're fucking that's blowing That's your problem. It. You're yeah. sleeping? You're blowing it. That's Don't sleep. Thing. Don't sleep. You want to be successful? Stop sleeping. Yeah, you have relationships that you value? Let them go. <laughs> you know? It's like it, that becomes really, really hard. All right, and um, Please. <laughs> So, so I guess I guess what I would end with is is you just have to trust yourself. Yeah. You you have to try to ignore the noise. You're you're not always going to be 100%. You're just not. I know I'm not. And if anybody tells you that they are, they're lying to you, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's okay not to be 100. But ultimately, you're the only person who knows 
what's right for you. Sure. And by the way, if even if something doesn't feel right at a moment, it doesn't mean it's not right. It just means it's not right at that moment. Mm. And that's also okay. Can you tell that to the girls? Brianne? Yeah, Brianne <laughs> doesn't understand how I'm feeling. And I feel like if you just said exactly that, can I record? Well, well now, Are we going to get this footage so I could send that? Well, now she has your book on Amazon Prime. <laughs> and uh, she can read Good. all 100 poems. 100 poems, 110 pages. Unbelievable. Yeah, wait, wait, how... how how did you get to 110 pages? Is there like uh, there's a, a poem couple poems that, that are a little you longer, a little crazy, you long have some form. that are shorter? You know, things are definitely in the works. Um, but you could tell that there's definitely 100 poems because there's 100 days. Because it's 100 days without loving you. So each day is a poem. <laughs> I have so many questions. <laughs> like you, you mentioned you started writing this while you were together. Yeah. So, so the, Imagine that. Yeah. You know, it was tough. Yeah, I mean, definitely writing it through the heartbreak of being in a relationship is really interesting. I think what's great about the book is it kind of tells the progression of, like, how it feels to be in a toxic relationship, but also be able to talk on the difficulties of breaking out of that toxicity and the difficulties of the grievance stage, the difficulties of the anger stage, the difficulties of the acceptance stage. All of that is written within 100 poems, um, which... Very excited about. I'm excited for the release. I'm excited for this episode to air. I think this was a lot of fun. Um, I got to ask you, though, and I appreciate you giving advice to our listeners. I think that was beautifully said. How the fuck did you grow your hair like that? Because in college, you didn't look like that. You look beautiful. You look like a tar. You look like the Tarzan. Wow, dude! Of you our generation. You, you cut it out right when, now. When I saw Tarzan gets ta when I saw Tarzan get casted as a white dude, I was so pissed because Tarzan's tan as fuck in the Disney animations. It's bullshit. If if I was your manager, you would be the Tarzan. I'm like Tarzan who lost the battle to marching band. <laughs> <laughs> you're like the he had a lot of potential out there, but he just you're couldn't the Tarzan lay off that the started drum. a band. And you're like, listen. By the way, I was going to be really famous but I decided to start writing music. Um, no, I certainly appreciate you always, uh, you know, making me feel so, so warm <laughs> and fuzzy, but, but we don't have, you know. But I, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a fucking blast having you. Um, it's, it's, it's great to be able to see how far our relationship has progressed. I mean, even when I asked you, I said, look, man, uh, I'm getting checked by the bar for like background checks they're gonna hit up all my homies everyone that I've known for the past 10 years is it cool I just you know I said I knew you for nine you even kept me on you know you kept me on my feet and you said look man I've known you for only eight and a half and I don't know if I feel comfortable about lying to the state ca state of California <laughs> about knowing you for nine I was like look you it's approximately nine yeah it's approximately nine so I appreciate our approximately nine years of friendship I appreciate you being on the show. You've done an, a, a marvelous job. I'm going to keep using the word marvelous. I'm just going to be walking around Hollywood being like, you're fucking marvelous. You're fucking marvelous. And then next thing you know, hopefully this podcast comes back on air. So thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you. It's and been an thank absolute everyone pleasure. here for putting this, this on. This is uh, totally epic. And I'm glad I got to do it with you. And happy birthday, young man. Thank you. It's my birthday today. Episode 15. This is the existential bro, the creative imbalance. Tune in next time. Woo!